Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, I'm here with Sheena. Sheena, what's your initial reaction after that finale dropped? Oh my gosh. I mean, it's so crazy. It literally is. I mean, it's iconic reality television. It's just sadly iconic, you know? Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. That was Sheena Shishi Shea from Vanderpump Rules. We're going to be breaking down the finale of Vanderpump Rules. I mean, the craziest episode of television I think I've ever seen. Certainly the best produced episode of TV I think Bravo has ever done. I think maybe any network has ever done. I was shell-shocked, goosebumps on the edge of my seat, jaw-dropped the entire time. We even knew a lot of the stuff that was happening, but watching it unfold on screen, the crazy scene between Tom and Rachel where they accidentally say I love you. I mean, what the fuck, you guys? What the fuck? What the fuck? I don't understand. Oh, you guys, this TV, it was crazy. Now, here's the deal. I was a guest on Shenanigans. I think it's going to air later this week. So if you have not listened to Sheena's podcast, I'm going to be on it later this week. And we're going to be breaking down the finale over there. Her and Brock host this podcast, Shenanigans. And while I was there, we had just watched the finale episode. So of course, I had to get Sheena's a reaction to it. I had to ask a couple questions. So I did a short little interview with Shishi. Then I did a short little interview with Brock that I'm going to play for you here now, giving their reactions to the finale. And then I'm going to come back and we're going to recap all of the insanity. But for now, I'm going to play a little short interview with the two of them. And then I'm going to be on shenanigans so you can hear an extended version of all the things that we talk about. And it's it's crazy. I don't know what they're going to air over on shenanigans because obviously there's PR people involved. And so there's it's a sticky thing because they have stuff at the reunion. But I hope you'll listen to me on shenanigans. And for now, I'm going to play short interview with Shishi, then a short interview with Brock. And then we're going to come back for our traditional Everything Iconic recap, where I'm surely going to say, what the fuck, a million times. Because what the fuck? What was this episode? I mean, oh my God, we got so much to talk about. This is going to be a long one. Sit tight, little bear. Buckle up, buttercup. Here's my chat with Shishi. Were you expecting, particularly in that scene with Tom and Rachel, were you, as a viewer, because you weren't in that scene, were you expecting there to be some remorse? Yeah, you would expect it. But then when you think about these two individuals you're dealing with and what betrayal they've already done, I can't say I'm surprised that that is what I witnessed, especially from her. I felt like he was a little more uncomfortable in that scene. So it's like he was like trying to, but then you still cheers her, you kissed her, you like grabbed her butt, you guys made some did they make some jokes? I don't I don't know. The whole scene it was it was uncomfortable. I felt like they were a little tipsy too. Uh, anything you want to clear up from the season? I honestly wish I had more conversations with Katie watching everything back. I think that all got way blown out of proportion. And I think if we just sat down and had an adult conversation and not a petty, you did this, you shouldn't have done that. Like, you're mean. You're the. It's just like there were so many outside factors that prevented that from happening. 
I'm thankful Ariana has been able to bring us back together and we're working on our friendship. But um, that was like one of my biggest takeaways from this season is just perspective. Do you think you could be friends with Sandoval going forward? No. I do think a lot of friendships are going to change. The dynamics will be different moving forward. What about where do you and Rachel go? Do you have any relationship with her? No. There's there's nowhere to go with her. She should have reached out and apologized way sooner. I have still not heard a word from her. So, yeah, if there's ever a conversation between her and I, it's going to be a very different conversation than what it would have been week of all of this happening. Obviously, after this whole scandal happened, there's merch happening and the podcast for all of you are thriving. And I wonder... How do you feel about that? Because Ariana is your friend, and we love Ariana, of course. But is there any part of you that... How do you feel about sort of capitalizing? Does that make sense? I mean, the thing is, I think if the tables were turned, everyone would be doing the same thing. I think that when we're a part of an ensemble cast and we're all affected by something like this, it's like, this is our life. Our life is our job. Our job is our life. And if we can sell some merch and put food on the table for our kids and pay our bills, then so be it. That's the life we all signed up for. Also, I think you all are doing an Uber Eats thing, right, for the 1-800-BOYS, and all the proceeds go to Ariana's Alexandra House, which I think is amazing. So uh, anyway, Sheena, Shishi, I love you so much. Thank you for um, doing this. And everyone's going to listen to me on Shenanigans. Good as gold. Are we getting a follow-up, like a new song? We we are going to be working on some new stuff, so stay tuned. You're going to have a little fun. There's actually two music trios happening this summer so stay tuned i can't wait thank you sheena yeah. all right i'm here with brock davies brock what's your initial reaction after watching that finale uh i i don't get it i don't get what was going through people's minds when they decided there was cameras watching him the world's gonna see this and it just blew my mind at just like the ignorance in it wild and now there's all these blind items coming out and we were talking a little bit off air it it seems like you are all under this microscope do you feel like you're under a microscope and what do you say to people who are questioning now you the fact that these blind items can just come out is also wild because now there's people's relationships aka mine and my wife's and 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 it gets very difficult in the household because then you have to have these hard conversations i'll tell you this I don't know why Tom thought that having an affair was an okay thing to do, especially with the impact the show has. Okay? So if anything from this, it just puts me on the straight and narrow, and I know what I'm doing, but I've always been like that with her. And so really, it's just unfortunate that we buy into this narrative. All I have to do is just keep being myself. I'm, I obviously, I have a past, but keep moving forward. It's, it's just respect my wife, respect my life, and do the right thing. Uh, have you had any contact with Tom or Rachel at all since all this happened or since the reunion? Since the reunion, no. I've, obviously, when this started happening, I sent him a text message that said, this is where I stand with things. You know, you're going to have to brunt this and you have to figure out how to get through this. And honestly, unfortunately, I feel like they keep fumbling along the way on ways to... We all just want them to just to shut up and just own it. But instead of having all these other things that come from it. Was there anything from the finale that you want to clear up that you maybe think was un clear to the viewer or something that maybe adds some context to what we saw does that make sense i think the viewers and sheena and everyone involved in the cast had more of an understanding of the of the actual depth 
of all of this because they've seen this relationship between Tom and Ariana. So for me, I've literally taken the back step because I feel like the fans and everybody else on the show knows more about the context of it than I do. I just hear I'm, I'm four years in with these friendships. You guys are nearly 10 years in. So it's not really a place where I can speak out about because you guys are correct. Did you want to take a step back from filming this season? Honestly, I didn't initially. I had a rough season nine. Um, and I think the audience definitely wasn't interested in, you know, my, my past. But I think, fortunately, you know, it was unfortunate, but it was also the right thing. Eventually, it became out to be better because now I could actually be there for my partner on the side of it, not being in the middle of the arguments or the drama because I'm very outspoken. So if this season, season 10, I wasn't filmed as much purely based on my performance season nine. But, you know, it worked out for the best for my family. What was... Uh what was it like when Sheena came home after that Watch What Happens Live trip? Did what was she like? Oh, she called me up before she even got home and just get told me and told me everything. And I was just I was flabbergasted. I could go straight back to sleep, but I knew for a fact she came home and it was it just. I mean, it affected everybody differently. But Sheena was obviously having her own relationships and going through all of that. So there was so much, and all you can be is just be there. Uh, Brock, before I let you go, I'm going to be on shenanigans, so everyone's going to tune into that. But uh, anything else you want to clear up about the season or, or let listeners know or about you, about Sheena, about the scandal of it all? Honestly, I think uh, the audience knows right from wrong. You know, Hopefully they make the right decisions, and if they don't, thanks for watching. Sheena and I, we're just doing us. We do the right thing and keep doing that. Um, but everybody else, thank you for tuning back in. You know, I think it really showed the cast that they, they have such an impact and the work they've done for 10 years is valid, you know? We thank you all. And Brock, I thank your thighs. Thank you. <laughs> all right, shall we get into our Everything Iconic recap of the finale of Vanderpump Rules? Let's do it. You lied to everyone's face. You've done diddly yourself over. And like all the people you were building friendships with, you've literally just like trashed it for like Sandoval's little cocky cock. Like his stinky 40-year-old cock? Like, seriously, Raquel? Oh, my God, James. (laughs) That conversation where James just decided to speakerphone Rachel in the middle of the scene and then uh, essentially ended the scene by being like, you're a dummy, and then hung up the phone. And he's like, Zinzival's stinky cocky cock. Oh, Zinzival's stinky cocky cock. (laughs) Tom Zandeville. Little cocky cock? Like his stinky 40-year-old cock? Like, seriously, Raquel? (laughs) Oh, I don't mean to laugh. Obviously, this is a very intense uh, subject matter that's happening on the show. And we love Ariana. We're Team Ariana here. And I just think the world of her. And I'm so sorry for everything that she's gone through. So this is going to be a tough thing to recap because obviously everything that's going on screen is real life stuff that's intense. And so I just wanted to give that disclaimer. And I'm going to try to get to everything. But it's almost impossible to get to everything because every moment of that, I watched it twice, too. I watched this finale twice. And I swear, I kept feeling like I was missing little things. Or the second time I watched it, I was like, oh, I didn't catch that. Or I didn't catch that. Or the second time I watched it, I also hated Sheila Schwartz even more than the first time. Obviously, that man gets to skate by and never takes, has to take any accountability. But him trying to get his story straight and then being so concerned with the business. And here's the thing with the Schwartz and Sandy business. Like, I obviously think it's not good to go there and be violent or, or to do graffitis or any of that kind of stuff. But I do understand people not wanting to support this business. And the fact of the matter is, the partners, whoever got in bed with the Toms to do Schwartz and Sandys, they made that choice to be in business with these two who make a living on reality TV, being crazy people and in scandals and all sorts of craziness on television. 
So that's the risk that they took. So what I'm supposed to sit and feel bad for their business, but it's like you all decided to name the business after that. And I do feel like they're bamboozling us because Schwartz in this episode was saying, oh, it's our blood, sweat, and tears. And I'm like, that's bullshit because Tom's been getting his grippers painted every minute, missing meetings at Schwartz and Sandy's to get the white painted grippers done. Then he's on tour with the extras band and doing his midlife crisis band around the country uh, with his blouse off, singing some cover songs and replacing lyrics for Schwartz's mom and Stacy's mom and doing some bullshit cover band. And so, okay, oh, this is your blood, sweat, and tears, and this business is so important. But then the supposed co-partner is able to just travel the world on his with his band and his painted grippers. Uh-uh. No. Rotten hell. Rotten hell. So I'm sorry. Uh, of course, we don't want anyone. Again, I don't think it's good for people to go and vandalize the place. Or I don't even think you need to you leave a Yelp review or something. But it's totally within people's rights to say, I don't want to go and support this business. And so, and then Schwartz's uh, text to Ariana. I mean, oh, and then that chilling scene. Oh, my God. So much to talk about. I'm like overwhelmed. I'm, I'm fully caffeinated and overwhelmed. So I'm sorry about this recap. Uh, I'm sorry. Ahead of time, I'm apologizing. Anyway, it opens with the scene from Watch What Happens Live. We're fully breaking the fourth wall. They're showing us the day that Rachel and Shishi were on Watch What Happens Live in New York. And this is the same night that Tom was doing his midlife crisis cover band. And Ariana was there. She got a hold of the phone. She said it was women, call it women's intuition. The phone fell out. She grabbed the phone to hold on to it. And she thought, I need to check this. And there is something to be said about intuition. Now, I don't support you going and everyone checking each other's phones, but if you get that feeling in your gut, you got to trust it. You got to trust it because the man you're with could be throwing his stinky cock all over the place. And so that's what happens. Stinky 40-year-old cock. Tom Zandavel. Little cocky cock. Like his stinky 40-year-old cock. Like seriously, Raquel? <laughs> something about DJ James Kennedy saying that word. I'm sorry, it's explicit, but him saying cock, cock. <laughs> I loved it. And then they show us uh, Tom sitting down to tell a story. Ariana sitting down to confessionals telling her side of the story. She found the screen recording of a FaceTime call that they did. That not only was it a FaceTime call between Sinsval and the other one, but apparently it happened at Tom Schwartz's apartment. The one that he lives with at Joe. And I still have so many questions about this Joe woman who's just like this looming presence, ghost-like presence on this franchise. I keep hearing the word Joe, 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 Joe. And I'm like, I don't trust that woman uh, as far as I can throw a shoe. I don't know. Is that a saying? It is now. Anyway, uh, he is saying, Tom said, uh, Sandoval said, I would normally delete something like that, but I was busy. Oh, you're fucking busy? You were too busy to delete your cheating from your phone. <laughs> like, I would normally delete something like that. And all of his story, none of it added up. He kept saying, oh, it all happened once, and then we stopped, and then it happened again, and then we keep finding out more information. We found out there was confirmation about Miami Girl that was from years ago. And then he alludes to also hooking up with someone else later in the episode, which is obviously Billy Lee is one of the people they're talking about. Lala called it out. I also asked Sheena about it on her podcast, and she said that's what they think. So I, it's crazy. But Ariana said she called Rachel, and Rachel was with Shishi. Ariana said she learned that evil people are around her. And it's true, these evil people were just around her. Just And I'm jumping around, but Rachel in that scene later, the one scene that she did film, we only got two little scenes out of Rachel. We got the one scene that she did with Tom Sandoval, which was the most shocking thing I've ever seen on television. The time they accidentally said, I love you. I mean, it, craziness. But then we also got her on speakerphone when James was calling out Tom Zinzival's stinky 
cocky 40-year-old cock. And so we got those two moments out of her. And the two times that we heard from her, she seemed easy breezy, beautiful. On the phone with James Kennedy, she seemed like it was no big deal. She's like, James, stop it. And then later in the episode when we see her sitting down with Zinzival, she was smiley. She was giddy. She was giddy. Zero remorse. The fact that she had zero remorse. And then Zinzival was saying later in the episode that uh, to LVP, he said, of course, they were going to wait until uh, before the reunion because they didn't want Ariana to be at the reunion defending the two of them. It's like she spent the whole fucking season defending the two of you. And now you're worried about the reunion? Oh, I mean, it's crazy. And you keep looking for outlets for to just find some little sliver of uh, something that you could see that they're showing some sort of empathy or whatever, and they don't show any of it, especially Rachel. I didn't see not one bit. And Tom's, by the way, I felt like was just manipulative. I felt like he was just putting on a show. He thought, oh, I need to cry here with LVP, or I need to cry in this scene. And it was bullshit. It was a bag of bullshit, and I I will not stand for it. Uh, Anyway, we do see two days post-Scandival, and we just see all the people at their houses. We see James and Allie. We see Lala cooking. She was cutting some meat for her dog. We see Schwartz's dog humping a pillow. And then we land down at Ariana with her bestie, Meredith, and she says Tom gives her the ick. And I think she speaks for all of us. He gives us all the ick. He gives us all the ick when I see that stinky cock. I mean, it's the ick. It's the ick. And they're still in the house together, which is disgusting. Tom comes downstairs. I feel like he should have to leave the house. Can't we get a lawyer involved or something? Because... In what world does he think he should be able to stay at the house after doing this humiliating this woman on live or national television, sleeping with her friend, and then he decides, oh, I'm just going to stay in this house? Go get a fucking hotel. He's never been a man or a grown human adult in throughout this whole entire – he makes every wrong decision. Get out of the fucking house. She co-owns it, and you're the one who fucked up, so get out of the house. Go to a hotel. Go rent. Spend some money on a hotel. Go anywhere. The fact that he's just sitting in that house. And by the way, I wish she could get out, but she shouldn't have to be the one to get out. He's the one who did the wrong. So get out. And then she filmed a movie, and then Rachel was staying at the house. I mean, come on. Does she not? Do they not have any brains? I know they're dummies, but like, get out of the, Go rent a hotel. After you, what you put this woman Ariana through, you can't give her the decency of getting out of the living space so that she could at least collect her thoughts in this living space. I mean, come on. And then Ariana, she, he says to her, do you want anything? And that's when we get that moment. She says, for you to die. She's pissed. She's pissed. She says, how was your night at Rachel's? And he hasn't, I guess, said he's sorry. He keeps calling her dude. He's like, oh, I was going to apologize. But every time you kept getting more mad, more mad. And then he said, it didn't happen. It happened and then it didn't happen for a while. And Ariana says, look, Rachel is just going to gas you up, and that's what you want. You want someone who's just going to gas you up. She's searching for her identity in men. And honestly, think about it. Do we know anything about Rachel after all these years of getting to know her? I don't know that we've gotten much personality. It's just uh, nothing there. Come on. And then he's like, uh, it's so classic midlife crisis because he keeps saying, I turned 40, and then I thought, are my best years behind me? I got to get my mojo back. And she's like, oh, so you wanted your mojo back, so you fucked my friend? I mean, come on. And by the way, he wouldn't have told people he was 40 because he wanted to lie about that age for the longest time. And now that it finally came out, perhaps because I 
drop that information on everything iconic when the scandal all happened, that he is actually older than the internet knew. Now he's finally leaning into it. And he's like, I turned 40 and he's given all these excuses. And it's like, you didn't even want anyone to know you're a 40 because you are just afraid of this midlife thing. Not that 40 is old, but he's been trying to hide it. And now because it might fit his narrative, he's like, well, I turned 40 and I thought, are my best years behind me? And he's like, maybe that sounds better. I feel like to age myself up. I don't know. It's got too many excuses. And then he says, two weeks ago, I tried to end it. But then he didn't leave. He was already screwing Rachel. And then Ariana's like, well, if you wanted to break up, you have to leave the house. Don't come sleeping in the bed. And uh, he's blaming her. He's like, I tried to break up with you. Well, okay, you didn't try that fucking hard because you didn't even leave the house. Come on. And then he says, it's just, I got a deep relationship with Rachel. And Ariana says she was ride or die for both of them, and she's humiliated. And that's the fact, is that she's humiliated by these two people. And that's worse than the betrayal of the sex part of things, right? It's the humiliation, the fact that these people are on television is what's the worst part to me. Because the sex, of course, cheating is terrible, and that would be a nightmare. But doing it in this way that the two of them did for so long as people on TV even if they were to come clean about it before the reunion or after the reunion, it doesn't fucking matter if they came clean first and she didn't discover this. It's still humiliating for this person that you supposedly cared about and lived with for loved for nine years. So it's humiliating, and that's worse. Ariana says, I regret every moment I defended, supported you. You're worth nothing, and I want you to hear that in your soul. I mean, this is Shakespearean dialogue. I swear to you, I no one could write such a good script. This is the best. Uh, no one could write this. The way she was speaking, I, she says, I regret ever loving you. Any last words before I never talk to you again? Oh. And then she shows a lot of vulnerability, too, because she said, I thought we'd be together forever. I would have followed you anywhere. I was 100% committed to you. And I'm crying. And this is like the beginning of the episode. This is the beginning of the episode. We're three minutes in and I'm in tears, just shocked by what I'm hearing. And then they're giving us, they're giving us so much drama in terms of production because it's raining out at this point that they're filming in LA. So there's so much rain happening. We had this really rainy season here. And so we're getting the dramatic rainfall and then they're giving us upscale transitional music. So this song, I mean, it could have been Taylor Swift. I mean, these were lyrics. The lyrics of the song to transition us from that scene to Schwartz's house, it was like, our love turned to rust, broken hearts to dust, and it's over these shots of rain. The scripted world, honestly, it's just, no one can write this. It's too good. It's too good a TV. And again, these Bravo editors, producers, I'm just so grateful. And I've said some really awful things about them a time or two in regards to Vanderpump Rules, because we had all those flop years with the lizard funeral, and then the brassiere in LVP's suitcase with shorts. And so we went through some really rough stuff. And so I was hard on them. And then now these people just stepped it up and I give them all the awards. And uh, then we cut to Schwartz's house. By the way, Tom Sandoval comes over to Schwartz's house, and he immediately shows more remorse in Schwartz's arms than he did the whole time with Ariana. Rotten Hill. I mean, come on. When he just uh, collapsed into Schwartz's arms and just started crying, where was that energy in the scene before that when you were with your girlfriend of nine years who you cheated with her friend in the house? Where was that then? And he's just because he loves Schwartz more than anybody, and Schwartz loves him more than anyone. The two of them are going to be end game with each other. They're just going to be on there at the end. They're just going to be the two of them. It'll be like the notebook when they're just remember at the end of the notebook. Spoiler alert: the two of them are just laying in a hospital bed, and that's how they end. 
uh, these at the end of their lives, Jenna Rollins and the other guy, they're, that's what's going to happen with Sheila Schwartz and Zinzival, because those two are only going to have each other. And Schwartz is saying, oh, we got all these one-star reviews on Yelp. Can you maybe do a post? And come on, come on. And Sandoval, meanwhile, is like, I had a deep connection with Rachel after the Mondrian. And here's the thing with uh, Schwartz that I think is important to note. He should have said, I get the ride or die, get the bro code. I get that he's closer with Zinzaval than he is with Ariana, even though Ariana was in his wedding. And that's the real fucked up part of this is that he had her as a groomsman. However, I do know that he was closer with Zinzaval. But what happens or what anyone out there in a relationship with a friend should do if their friend is cheating with someone, then you sit him down and you say, look, I do not condone this. And I'm going to tell Ariana in such and such time. You give a, a, a definitive time and you say, look, you either tell Ariana about your cheating with Rachel tonight or I'm going to tell her tomorrow morning. Or if you don't tell her in two days, I'm going to tell her this weekend or a week or give a timeline, a specific timeline. But Schwartz just wants to play the middle and he just wants to say, oh, I just told him he's got to say something. Well, you didn't tell him good enough because you should have said, I'm going to uh, I'm going to text Ariana right now and I'm going to say, hey, can we meet tomorrow? And then if you don't tell her by tomorrow, guess who's going to tell her? Me. That's what you got to do. Give a guideline. But he never gave a guideline. He just said, oh, you better tell her. You better tell her because I'm mad. And that was bullshit too. I bet you he never even told her you got to tell her. I bet you maybe like in sort of a passing way, he probably said, you got to tell her this. But he didn't really give her any, didn't give Tom Sandoval any definitive thing. He was just like, you better tell her. You better tell her. And then guess what? He didn't tell her. He just kept doing it at the house, in the house that she co-owns. And then Sandoval's like, I got this vibe that she didn't want to know. It's like, come on, Zinzaval. Tom Zandeville. I'm so mad at that man. I'm so mad at that man. He says he's got this deep connection. And Schwartz says you had opportunities to tell her and you didn't. And he says, this is all relatable, but you had opportunities to tell her. I'm like, what's relatable about it? There's nothing. (laughs) These dummies. I'm so mad. Like, what is relatable? And then Sandoval says all she had to do was follow me to find out where she was. Did you hear him say that? All she had, he says, Ariana, all she had to do was follow him and she she would have found out. He's basically saying like, oh, it's Ariana's fault that she didn't find out that he'd been cheating all this time. I mean, and Schwartz, meanwhile, is just mad he's going to be canceled. And Sandoval's like, well, just stay off social media. And maybe you should be worrying about Ariana's feelings and all of this instead of whether or not you're going to be canceled because you hitched your wagon to Zinzaval. And that's the price you're going to pay. Shouldn't have named the bar Schwartz and Sandys or Tom Tom. I also got a little mad at LVP. I've been really liking her this season. And I loved the scene where she sat down with Ariana. She said, you're going to get through this. It's all going to be better. But what I didn't like is that scene. I uh, Maybe I was, maybe I read this wrong and other people feel differently, but I felt like she was making too many excuses for Sin's fall. And I understand her. she's looking at it from a business sense. She's like, I'm on camera with this man who I named a bar after, and she's the main owner. You know, those two dummies only own, what, 5% of that bar. So LVP is the one who owns most of that place, Tom Tom. And so, of course, she has to, business-wise, look out for herself. And so she's making a little excuses. But it also was kind of disgusting to watch. It was tough to watch for me. And and we'll see how it goes at the reunion. And Yeah. And, of course, she just was saying, she's like, you got to be okay. And she saw Sandoval having that, like, uh, hyperventilating. And he was by the window having a dramatic moment. And so, of course, she wanted to make sure he's safe. And that's important. We want all of these people to stay safe and sane and all of that. 
but we also need to show see some remorse from these people about what they were doing. Then we do see Ariana with her friends. We see Logan's there. Brad, a lot of her friends are there. We love. And uh, I think LVP offered her a place to stay. Shishi, Katie arrives. They're putting their differences aside to come together. And it seems like from my chat with Shishi that her and Katie are going to be good now. So I, I hope they're able to move past because uh, for the greater good, for the greater good of this show. Here's the interesting thing, though. Uh, when I was on shenanigans, which you'll hopefully hear this in the episode that airs later this week of her show. But I said, we were talking about like where they go forward and stuff. And she, she was saying like that she's normally the bridge between all these people. And oftentimes production relies on Shishi to be the one to go in scenes when other people don't want to do scenes with people. But she said, she's not doing it this time. She's not going to do it next season. So she's going to, I don't know. I hope I'm not speaking out of turn. Maybe they'll cut that part. <laughs> Oops. Uh, but she, I thought it was interesting. I thought it was interesting. And uh, she, she says to Katie, we're going to put our shit aside for right now. And then they talk about all these, uh, this group is talking about everything that was happening with Sons of All and how he was FaceTiming from Schwartz's house. So Schwartz knew all of this. He knew all of it. You're not going to bamboozle me. I will not be fooled by you, Tom Schwartz. I will not deal with your tomfoolery, which is what all of these toms do on Bravo is their tomfoolery, and I will not stand for it anymore. And so I know they're all liars, and so that's it. I'm not going to fall for it. No more. Not one more. They've fooled me how many times? What's that saying? Fool me once, fool me twice. They fooled me like 80 goddamn times, and I won't do it again. (laughs) It will not happen again. Cut to me next season on this podcast being like, well, they fooled me again. Whoops. Anyway, uh, should we take our break here? Let's take a break, and I'm going to try to cool it down briefly. And then we got to talk about how Logan, God bless him, broke that penis flute. Oh, I was so happy when he broke that penis flute. We have so much more to discuss. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Thank you to Acast. Find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino. Pre-order. My new book comes out in October. I'd really love it if you could pre-order. It'd be a great support. It's called The Jolliest Bunch. You can get it wherever you get your books. And then the uh, paperback of my other book will be out June 1st. So uh, we'll be right back. Ah, I love that sound, don't you? And that's the sound you're going to hear when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Uh, we use it here at Everything Iconic. Shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling all your business complexity, no matter how big you grow. I think it's fantastic. You're probably thinking, sure, but migrating is going to be a headache, but Shopify's app store has the migration apps you need to migrate all of your products, your orders, your customers, and more uh, from every major e-commerce platform all the way to Shopify. And I always hate when I'm shopping online and I have to re-enter all of my information. Well, Shopify store remembers your shipping address, your payment information. So if you're on the couch and your wallet's on the kitchen counter, you don't have to get up, which is nice. So sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash everything iconic, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash everything iconic. Shopify, S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash everything iconic. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
And we all carry around different stressors, both big and small. Sometimes the small stressors are the worst for me because I cannot stop thinking about them when I'm trying to sleep or when I'm trying to go about my day. I keep those little things bottled up and it can start to affect me negatively. Now, therapy is a safe space to get those things off of my chest and figure out how to work through all that stuff. And if you've never benefited from therapy, I think it's time you explore. I think anyone can be helped by going to a professional therapist. It's so incredibly helpful to get those coping skills skills and uh, deal with those stressors. So uh, if you're thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be super convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you got to do is fill out this quick, brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, which I think is so important. Uh, so that way you find someone that you work well with. Now, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Everything Iconic today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Everything Iconic. All right, so in this group scene with Ariana and her girlfriends, it's revealed that the night of the Mondrian, after Ariana had just suffered a loss of someone very close to her, she found out that Rachel and Tom were having sex in the car outside their house, and then Ariana had to let them in, uh, let uh, Tom into the house because he forgot the key. Isn't that terrible? This is terrible. This is terrible that this happened. The fact that she had to let them in the house, he couldn't even have his fucking key on him. I mean, that man, that man, what a demon. Anyway, this is, uh, Sheena says also that she got this restraining order that happened. She, she says that, uh, she did not punch Rachel in the face after watch what happens live. And she gives scientific proof, scientific proof about how she could not make a fist. She said, <laughs> she said, my grippers don't work like this. My grippers do not make a fist. And then she showed us in the confessional. She said, look at these grips. Look at my nails. My grippers aren't going to make a fist. So yes, I pushed Rachel off of me. And I think that there's something we all need to remember here. And that's something my grandma used to say, which is, be careful what you ask for, because you just might get it. You just might get it. Be careful what you ask for, because you just might get it. Meaning, if I don't know the situation with Watch What Happens Live, what happened afterwards. And of course, we do not support violence on this podcast. So just uh, take that out of the vocabulary if that's what you're going to twist this into. But we don't know the circumstances. But if Rachel was going up on uh, um, Shishi after Watch What Happens Live, after Shishi's feeling betrayed and just found out her best friend, of course, Shishi's going to have a reaction. So if she did push her off, perhaps it was uh, what was being asked for by the other person in that situation. So again, we do not support violence. But what Grandma Rosie used to always say, be careful what you ask for, because you just might get it. I think that's also in a song or something, so maybe my grandma got it from a song, but it doesn't matter. It's neither here nor there. The point is, careful what you ask for, because you just might get it. Anyway, Katie Maloney reveals that she had an inclination, because at BravoCon, Schwartz said something about how Rachel's not interested in him, and so Katie, it was a little red flag that went up, and now she is looking back, as we all are looking back. And saying, well, what happened there? What's the truth? What is the truth? Uh, okay, then we see James and Allie. And James, James, I'm feeling bad. For, I'm crying about James now. Because in his scene, he said he always looked up to Tom. And now he's feeling betrayed. This is, again, Shakespeare. Shake. This is this is Shakespeare. It's Shakespeare. I, I'm sorry to keep saying that. I'm sorry to keep saying that, but it's Shakespeare. It is Hamlet. This is layers because of course james was engaged to rachel and now he's in a scene with his new girlfriend Allie, who we love and he's feeling betrayed by his friend thompson they even showed some unseen footage 
back in the day of Tom Zinzival saying, oh, Rachel will never betray you and neither will I. And it's like, oh my God, they have footage of them saying this stuff. And then he does betray him. And then Lala, meanwhile, comes over and she's ready to pop a bitch. She is. She's always ready. And I believe her fists, I believe that her hands, her grips, I think they know how to make a fist. So everybody watch out. I'm scared. I'm scared of my boots because Lala is ready to pop off. We see it in the trailer for the reunion coming up next week. And you could just see in her demeanor and she's been ready to pop off for a while. She wants to know who wants to get popped. And so she's coming in these scenes ready to pop. And she says she wants a case reopened. Specifically, she wants the case of Tom Zanzival. Tom Zanzival. And Billy Lee, she wants that case reopened. And what, are they setting up a Billy Lee return? Because there were paparazzi photos of Zanzival hobnobbing around town with Billy Lee. And then Billy Lee released a statement or something. So what's the truth? Did Zanzival, and I'm led to believe that they did because that's what Sheena told me on Shenanigans. And now we're seeing Lala reopen the case. And they're showing some flashback footage, uh, unseen footage from a reunion where it came up. Jesse Montana had some suspicions that Billy Lee and Tom Zanzival hooked up. I mean, he needs to keep that stinky 40-year-old cock in his pants. Tom Zanzival. Little cocky cock. Like his stinky 40-year-old cock. Like, seriously, Raquel? He needs to keep it in his pants. I mean, we're going to reopen them cases. And then James decides just to call Raquel, which I love. He just said, how do you feel about what you've done? And then he just calls her a dummy. He says, you're not smart, bye. And then he hangs on the phone. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry to laugh. I, mean, I know these people are going through it right now. But it was hysterical when he just said, you're not smart, bye. And then hung up the phone. We didn't get any Christina Kelly. I, didn't she just have a baby? I actually completely forgot about her and just until just now this moment. But she didn't even show up with Charlie uh, later in the episode when they did that girls' night. And by the way, I have some suspicions about Charlie, because if you remember my interview with Katie Maloney, I had asked, was Charlie at the reunion? And I felt like it was a little bit of a cryptic answer. And then I brought it up to Shishi on Shenanigans, and I got a little bit of a cryptic answer. So I think, I, I don't know for a fact, I don't know, but I think something might happen with Charlie, or maybe it happened off screen. But I wonder, did she show up at the reunion and have like a moment that they're not showing us in the trailer? Or did she show up and not film anything at the reunion? Or is she not invited to the reunion? I just think it's not as simple as her just not being invited. Because I'm getting some, uh, my ears are going up. My antennas are going up. I think something, and we need to get Charlie on the line because I really believe, and I've been saying this maybe for a couple of weeks, but the more I dig into it, the more I'm like, something happened there. But I don't know what. And I'm not sure if it has to do with the scandal or if it's with something else or if it has to do with the reunion. But my antennas are up. And so I'm just saying that now for the first time, here on this podcast, I want us to all be able to come back to this moment and say, Danny had some, I know some feelers. So Danny had some inclinations, call it women's intuition or call it Danny's intuition because uh, something's going on and I'm going to get to the bottom of it. I got my monocle on. I'm getting Angela Lansbury on their ass. And maybe I'm a conspiracy theorist, but I do feel like something happened there. Anyway, Christina Kelly, I don't think anything happened. <laughs> I don't think there's any big Christina Kelly uh, conspiracy. However, uh, she, was nowhere to be seen this episode. Um, then, okay, okay. So after that scene where they call Rachel on the phone and put her on speakerphone, then DJ James Kennedy says, you're a dummy, bye. Then they hang up, and then we cut to the scene with Zinzaval and Rachel, and they hug it in front of that C'est la vie sink sign. That's fucking C'est la vie sink sign. If I see that fucking sign one more time that just says C'est la vie in front of them. 
that, do you know what I'm talking about? Above Rachel's sink, it's just a big, big ass sign that says, say la vie. As if she's the members of the Irish dancing uh, girl group, bewitched. Say you will, say you won't, say you do what I don't, say la vie. I mean, you know that song from the late 90s? Remember, they were doing the jig. You know, I love that song. Love it. Them girls in the video, they were just in a field where there were flowers and just said, uh, play with the girls, play with the boys. Do you ever get lonely playing with your toys? That was a lyric, you know? Do you know what I'm talking about? It's bewitched. I don't have a soundboard, but look it up. You'll remember it. Anyway, is that who Rachel thinks she is? Because I will not stand for it. On behalf of my Irish queens, I will not stand for it. Say la vie. And it's also for on behalf of Luann. Luann, Countess Luann, Chic say la vie. We will not stand for this uh, betrayal of the word, term say la vie. I will not have it associated with Rachel when it's already associated with Bewitched and Countess Luann, who I miss dearly. And they just uh, came out with a preview for the new Roni. I didn't love it. Nothing really stuck with me, to be honest with you. I'm sorry to say. Especially when we're dealing with this, the fantastic episode of Vanderpump Rules. We got a great finale of The Real Houses in New Jersey, which hopefully we'll get to some of that because I know it's important. Uh, but the Roni trailer for the new reboot, you guys, I'm sorry, it just didn't really do anything. Like, I, I left it and I was like, okay, like, it looked fine. I just, nothing really stuck with me. I didn't get any quirkiness. That's what I like from my Roni, and I know it's a different era. I'm also getting the vibe that they don't think it's good. Like, there, if you look at kind of the dynamics of how they announced the legacy cast at the same time as putting out the trailer for the other one, and I know they're just trying to appease fans, but I don't know. I, I'm maybe reading, I'm reading into the way that they're handling it, and I'm not, I'm not feeling good, but hopefully I'll be, uh, it'll be unexpectedly great. That's the hope and the goal. So we're going to enjoy it. We're going to watch it and support it. And we're thankful that they're giving it to us. However, I'm looking at it a little side-eyed. Looking at it a little side-eyed. Anyway, back to that uh, C'est la vie sink sign at Rachel's house. And they take shots of whiskey. Tom says, cheers to being in hell where we belong. And then Raquel is not at all remorseful. She says, I don't think we belong in hell. We're just friends who have feelings. We're just friends who have feelings. I don't think we belong in hell. She's not remorseful in one bit. With that shaky voice. She's got that shaky voice, but you know what I didn't hear behind that shaky voice was any sort of remorse. She was almost, she was smiley. She was smiley. And did Tom call her Ariana on accident one moment? I don't know. And then apparently Raquel's mom does not like Tom Sandoval. And then Raquel says, well, what about your family? What do, what do they think? And then he says, they love you. And she says, I love you too. And then Tom Sandoval says, no, I said, they love you, but I love you too. This was the single most shocking thing that I've ever seen on television, ever. I'm not just talking about Bravo. I'm not just talking about the Real Housewives universe or Vanderpump Rules universe. I'm not just talking about drama. I'm not just talking about comedy. I'm talking about anything that I've ever seen on television was the scene where Tom Zinsval accidentally said, I love you. And then she says it back. I mean, seeing them together was shocking enough in the weird kind of chemistry situation they had between the two of them. Not that it was chemistry, but just the weird kind of vibe, I guess, between the two of them. But then when they accidentally said, I love you, never in my life have I ever seen anything. And I can only imagine what was going on in production's minds when they had that. They probably were cheersing. They probably had opened up some cocktails of their own over in the editing bay when they saw the footage of Tom Zinsval accidentally saying, I love you, and then Rachel saying, I love you. It's craziest thing I've ever seen on television. You just know Andy Cohen got a, a hold of that footage and he just was, he was cheersing in his house. He was getting Ben and Lucy together. He's like, you got to watch this. You know, 
He was probably so excited because from a television aspect, there's nothing better. There's nothing better than that. It was the craziest, most cringy thing I've ever seen on TV. And then Tom says, well, I can't kiss you because there's cameras. And she was like fucking giddy about it. Ugh. And he was again, give me the ick with that stinky cock. And then Tom uh, looks, they're looking at each other and they're very obviously drunk. Tom's looking at her eye that she's like, oh yeah, she hit me. And then, oh, you guys, there was no real black eye. There was like a little scratch. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was not a restraining order situation. And I'm not going to feel guilty about saying that because she abused the court system and there were other people that need to use the court system. And Rachel just filed the restraining order for that little scratch on her eye. And it's a bunch of bullshit. There was nothing there. And she's like laughing about it in this scene. She's like, well, I got punched. And I'm like, yeah, she, she, you're telling the court system that she, she cold cocked her Bambi eyed ass. And it turns out nothing barely happened. You had a little scratch in your eye that will very clearly heal. And you got thick eyebrows so you can cover it up with some, I don't know, with some rouge or something. I'm not sure. But don't act like you're just uh, come on, come on. And then she's uh, somebody says, "Oh, I I wasn't going to put my life on the line for someone um, who cheats." And she says she's worried about Tom Sandoval because she's worried she got caught in a whirlwind romance and it, she's a cheater. And then Tom Sandoval responds to that with, "Well, I can't predict the future." What a dummy! What an idiot! There, but she. Ordinarily, in any other person, I would, if they were Rachel, I'd say, you need to get out of this. He's a cheater. He's shown us a pattern of cheating. So obviously, he's going to do it on you when he gets bored with you. And you're going to be sitting there bambi eyed and be like, what the fuck happened? I blew up my life for this uh, stinky cock man. And she doesn't think that. She doesn't do that. She just uh, decides to go with it. And then we find out after she filmed this scene, uh, she turned off her phone and was never seen again. Never seen again. Tom Sandoval also said he realized he kissed her and realized that maybe the best days aren't behind him. Like, go deal with your midlife crisis with a therapist. I mean, what is everyone thinking? Go talk to a professional or somebody. Don't just do these horrible things because you're turning 40. It's not even, it's 40 even middle aged these days. We're living till 100. Although I did just read, not to bum us all out. <laughs> Not to bum us all out, but I did just hear that the life expectancy is going down. And I'm sorry to put that on all of you at this point. I know this is not the right moment, but this podcast is improvised. And so that came to mind. And so I just need to share that little nugget. The fact is, our life expectancy is going down. So maybe Zinzaval is in midlife. But I never thought of 40 as midlife until maybe right this moment. And I don't know if the news can handle this, but maybe we should pull back on anything in the news that's upsetting because us Bravo fans, we are going through it right now. I hope you're all, I told you a couple weeks ago, you got to hotties take their probiotics. I hope all the Bravo watchers out there are taking their probiotics. I hope you're getting some good sleep, getting some good rest. You're working out, you're keeping healthy, eating healthy, because this is a tense time for all of us. And so we need to make sure that we're staying on top of things. And so I would just encourage the larger news outlets, the CNNs, the MSNBCs, the Fox News, the ABCs, NBCs, I don't care, all the fucking networks. If they got some news stories that they could hold off on, maybe just give us a beat because we need it. We can't, I don't know that I can handle anymore. I mean, putting the Jersey finale alongside the Zinzaval finale, it's just, they're asking a lot of us. And I'm, quite, I'm taking off my sweater right now because I'm sweating. <laughs> 
we are going through it as Bravo watchers. And so we just need them to take a beat. If there's any other mean news, one moment in this episode where Tom Schwartz says something about man-eating gators or gators eating men or something in the news, and we can't deal with gators. So I don't want to see, you know how I feel about the meth gators, that story that circulated a long time ago where there was these gators in Florida who were accidentally getting meth in the sewer systems and then they became meth gators. And this was like a news story that circulates every few months. And I just want to encourage any of the news outlets out there, save the meth gator story for a couple more weeks. If you're going to recirculate that, whether it be on social media or in a live broadcast, I'm going to need you to hold it. Strike it. Strike it. Strike it. Because we can't handle it anymore. It's not, we have too much going on. So the meth gators are going to have to cool it for a second. You hear me, meth gators? If you're out there listening to this, if I got any gators listening to this podcast and you understand me, (laughs) you're going to need to cool it. You're going to need to cool it. Just put the meth on hold and have some later and just worry about it later because I can't deal with a meth gator right now. We got these men on these shows are spiritual meth gators. I mean, these men, essentially Tom's, on this show, they're both meth gators, and same with Rachel. They might as well be because they're evil demons, and I'm going to just start calling them meth gators because that's what they are, these meth gators. Anyway, uh, so after that scene, Rachel turned off her phone, never seen or heard from again until the reunion. Then we see LVP and the dog Puffy. Ariana arrives, immediately cries in Elisa's arms. She says she's been leaning into anger because otherwise she'll cry. Oh, we've all been there. I mean, that's the worst, is when... You, and I just feel so bad for Ariana, what she had to go through and on a television platform. And I'm so glad she's thriving. She's going to be on The View this week, which is huge. They don't have Vanderpump Rules people on The View. So the fact that she's going to be on The View, and I don't know if you saw this, there's something called the Upfronts, the NBC Universal Upfronts, where they announce programming, and it's a big industry event. And they essentially made Ariana the centerpiece of the NBC upfronts. So she's really thriving, and I'm thrilled for her thriving because she deserves it after what this demon, this meth gator, Tom, put her through. Uh, but Ariana says Rachel will never be welcome in this town again. And she says Schwartz texted her and said he doesn't want to kick Tom while he's down. Now, I freezed frame on this text message that Tom Schwartz, Sheila Schwartz, had sent to Ariana. And I want to read it because they flashed it so quickly. They only highlighted one little word or one little sentence, but I want to read it because it's completely unhinged. So he says, after this whole thing happened, morning, Ariana. This is from Tom Schwartz to Ariana. Hopefully you are resting at least a little easier now. I'm not here to make excuses for Tom or justify his actions. He confided in me and I told him what he needed to do. Sit you down and tell you everything out of respect for everything you guys have built together. I guess he was about to tell you and this all blew up and you got humiliated in the worst way possible. I'm not going to try to tell his story. You should jet set somewhere fabulous and just absolutely spoil yourself. Sheer decadence. Turn your phone off. I hope you don't have too much ill will towards me. This whole situation is just effed. I don't want to kick my guy when he's down, but my God, the amount of anxiety and backlash I'm getting because of his actions are insane. Anyways, just know I care about you and know you are going to be just fine. I could do a whole podcast episode on this one fucking text message from that shoeless man. And that is, it's the most crazy text to send someone who's in your wedding, who just found out cheated with your other best friend, all that stuff. But then to, for him to say, oh, just go on vacation, or what do you say? You should go jet set somewhere fabulous and just spoil yourself. Sheer decadence. Like, turn your phone off. I don't want you giving me fucking tips. She's, I mean, for him to give her a 
tip to turn the phone off? You turn off your fucking phone. Don't tell me what to do. Tell me to go on a vacation. I'm not going on no vacation. I mean, come on, that man. He's just going to skate by with all this because we're also focused on the sins of all of it all and the Rachel. Because so what? Shorts was just uh, terrible in this whole situation, and he needs to have some accountability by everything that he'd done to his ex-wife, making out with Rachel in the season, and everything he's done to Ariana and the viewing audience at large. I will not stand for it. Shula Schwartz. So don't tell people to take a vacation after they just get cheated on after nine years with somebody's best friend in the house that they own with them. Go take a vacation. Cheer decadence. It's like basically like, oh, go get a massage. Like, what the fuck are you saying? (laughs) And then for him to say like, oh, the amount of shit I'm taking. Like Ariana shouldn't have to worry about the shit you're taking or the, the, you're getting canceled or the businesses or something because of Tom Sandoval. Like, you put that on somebody else. This woman, Ariana, is dealing with the breakup of her dissolution of her relationship with the life partner. And you're putting on her like, oh, I've had a deal with some people are canceling me. It's like, put that on literally anyone else. Text, uh, I don't give a fuck. Text to- uh, Ken Todd. Text Ken. Let Ken know how uh, you're getting canceled. And uh, let somebody else know, literally anybody else. Text Jax, text somebody, anyone else. Just don't, what are you putting that on Ariana for? And then again, LVP is sort of minimalizing in her confessional, which I get on a business level. I understand that. But also, it just felt gross in the context of this episode. Then we see uh, Maloney and Schwartz, and he doesn't have his timeline all figured out. Katie's like, you guys are disgusting. She calls them disgusting lovers, she says, regarding the two Toms. I thought that was good. Because isn't it on um, succession? Aren't there the disgusting brothers? Or what? what is that from? Is that succession? By the way, if you're not watching Succession, it's the other best show on TV, but that's neither here nor there. It's so good. Uh, anyway, Schwartz says that Tom told him a month ago, and she's like, no, she, she, Katie's calling him out. She's like, no, he didn't. You're lying. You're lying. And if there's one person who knows when he's lying, it's the woman who was married to him for all that time. Uh, after they got married, when he gave himself a bath in a lake, and they got married on a Wednesday, that is the person who's going to know when he's lying. And he is lying, and she calls him out. And she's, he's like, well, I knew about the one-night stand. And he's like, I'm just a dude trying to get by in life, and there's man-eating crocodiles in Florida now. And we're not talking about the crocodiles, Schwartz. And you're worried about them crocodiles. Don't worry about them crocs in Florida. Worry about... Uh, I'm mad. As if there wasn't enough for this episode, then we get the return of a long-standing cast member of Vanderpump Rules, Kristen Doty. Kristen Doty shows up in them slides, in the leggings, and they play the Jaws music, and she immediately shows up, gives her a hug, and she says, I want some alcohol. Give me some alcohol. And they hug. And it's honestly, I thought, a beautiful moment. First of all, it's history. And I have to say, us Bravo fans, people who have been with the show from the beginning, there is something to be celebrated amongst us, because we've been with this show through the ups and the downs, and we've gotten to know these people, and we... In some way, and I hate to even say this, of course, taking out the sheer betrayal of Ariana because that's disgusting and we're all team Ariana here. But there is something that said just from a TV production aspect of we all stuck with this show through the bad times. And now we're getting this show that is, this episode is embracing the history by bringing back cast members who we knew a long time ago who had a history with this evil demon, Tom Sandoval. And then we're just getting this incredible episode of television. And again, it's so sad that it's happening in behalf of this queen being humiliated on television by this demon that she was with, with the stinky cock. Tom Zanderville. Little cocky cock. Like his stinky 40-year-old cock. Like seriously, Raquel? 
but we are getting history, we're getting drama, we're getting Shakespeare. And so on some level, I think that fans of the show, we have been in this for the long haul, and now we're getting fed the greatest episode of television I think that's ever been produced. And so there is something to be celebrated there. Anyway, you know what's not to be celebrated is when that demon, Tom Sinsval, contacted Us Weekly to spin the story, which we knew it was going to do. And unfortunately, there's no real way to spin this story because he's just an asshole. And so there's really no silver lining for him. So he could try to spin it all he wants. But the truth is out there. In the words of the X-Files tagline, wasn't that the tagline? The truth is out there. The truth is out there. God, wasn't David Duchovny so hot? I mean, I had the biggest crush on that man. Whew. David Duchovny. I didn't even watch X-Files, but I remember he did some like sexy photo shoots. They were life-changing to me. And so just shout out to those sexy photos of David Duchovny that lived on in my family computer when I was a teen. Thank you. Thank you for getting me through those teen years, because if it weren't for those photos of David Duchovny and the one that was possibly photoshopped of Tony Danza getting out of a shower, I'm not sure I would have made it through my teen years. Been sucking dick ever since. Sorry to say that. It's true. And so we just we celebrate David Duchovny here. And I'm not sure. Hopefully he's a nice man, because I hate to celebrate a man on this podcast and then find out they did some evil demon work. But those photos of David Duchovny, got to shout him out. Got to give credit where credit is due. And I feel, honestly, that I've been tough on all these men on this episode. But uh, if there's one man that we can celebrate right now, it's David Duchovny for those photos and Tony Danza. Because there was one photo that I do recall, somehow I found on the internet when I was uh, around 13 or 14 years old. <laughs> and you remember back then, I'm... This is a aside, but back then when you would look for stuff on the computer, it wasn't so easy. You had to really put in some work, some time, some effort into getting some photos. You would find some photo of Ryan Phillippe, and then you'd have to wait for it to load for upwards of 25 minutes. We had a dial-up connection that was not so great. And then Aunt Joanne would be calling on the phone, and then suddenly you'd only have uh, uh, Tony Danza from the waist up, and you'd be like, where's the, where's the cock? Where's in the words of James Kennedy? And so you'd have to wait, and then you'd have to reconnect to the internet. So we had to really put a lot of work. The youth these days don't understand what it was like back then. In the late 90s, early 2000s, to be connecting to the internet and trying to find sexy photos of men. And that's why it was easier for my generation of gay uh, closeted kids to just head on up to Kmart and go into the underwear section and look on the underwear packages. You'd see the hot men without their blouses on. And that was the way you'd have to see these hot men, or you'd have to go into a Borders Books, and you'd have to put in a USA Today over top of... Um, gay magazine, uh, just so you can look at it. And then you'd have to hide in the cafe so you can look and figure out your feelings. And so I don't know how we got on that. I'm sorry. I just took that aside. Okay, where are we at? Oh, so we have this uh, this incredible burning shit scene between Kristen Doty and Ariana. They burn shit. They quote Beyonce. This is cinema. That's what you do. That's what you do when your friend is going through it. You come over, you burn some shit, and you talk about Beyonce. And that Beyonce will get us through it. And then Kristen gives this beautiful speech. It says, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Life is beautiful, so slay we must. Ah, I loved it. I loved it. I did. It was good to see her. It was, And I feel like she's grown. Obviously, she's made mistakes in the past. But I, if anyone has listened, there's been a couple of interviews, and I don't remember where they were. But it, it does seem like Kristen has grown and matured. And and even in this scene, it was beautiful to see them put their shit behind them. Ariana was like saying, I feel bad about the way I treated you, she says to Kristen. And Kristen's like, don't worry about me. This is about you. And I, I felt like it was great to see her. I'm, I'm, people are going to yell at me about that, I know, because people get very upset about this. But yeah, ultimately, we want everyone to grow and learn from their past and their mistakes and take accountability. And so 
think that's the most important thing. It's a life lesson for us all. And I think that's the problem watching this episode. Coming back to the Toms and the Rachel, just accepting accountability and saying like, I fucked up, but without any explanations of how you fucked up or why, or why you fucked up, I should say. You just say you fucked up, you're sorry, and that's all you have to keep saying. And then I think the audience would be able to get on your side a little bit. Obviously, you did these shitty things, and so it's going to take people a while. But when you try to give excuses about, I did this because our sex life wasn't good, or because she, I had a connection with her, or all these bullshit excuses, no, you just have to take accountability. And then I think... Ultimately, the human condition is that we want people to grow and learn and move forward, and we're all going to make mistakes. Everyone's going to do stupid shit, make mistakes, and it's a part of life, and we grow and we learn. But you have to show that you have taken accountability and that you are growing and learning or that you're going to grow and learn. But when you're someone who is constantly giving explanations or you're trying to spin it in the media like Tom did with Us Weekly, it's like then the audience is going to have a way harder time getting on your side than if you just were to say, yeah, what I did was bad. But guess what? Everybody does something bad. But you don't have to say that. But people know that instinctively. That's human nature. And so just take accountability, and then the audience can maybe find with time that they can move on with you. But if you're not going to take any accountability, then fuck you. Sorry. Then we see Tom at LVB's house, and Tom said he didn't want to hurt Ariana because she already was having a hard time trusting people, and so that's why he didn't say anything. And then LVP's like, well, what is she going to have uh, with trusting people now? She had a hard time trusting people then. Of course, she's going to have an even harder time now. And Ariana's been so honest and open about her mental health on the show when it uh, she didn't have to be she's also opened up about previous relationship and I, if you watch a few seasons back she talked about body image issues that were really brought upon by her ex and i just hate the fact that this demon now is going to make it so much harder for her to trust people in the future and that shouldn't be the case for someone that loved her supposedly and for him to say oh well, I, she always just had a hard time so i didn't want to say anything well you should have said something or you shouldn't have fucked her friend i'm sorry uh, and then he says they wanted to tell her before the reunion so she didn't look dumb defending Raquel. And then he's just crying into them white-painted grippers, and he's hyperventilated in them grippers. And LVP calms him down. And we want, again, all of these people to be safe and sane and hopefully just get the help they need because we don't want anyone to harm themselves or anything, of course. Uh, but LVP says, you're not a bad person. You just did a bad thing. And I thought, well, maybe, maybe, maybe he is a bad person. Is that possible? Is that possible? Is that even a a consideration that maybe we should have? When LVP said that, that's, I think, the thing where I really turned on her when she says, you're not a bad person, you just did a bad thing. But then maybe, maybe, uh, I don't know. I'm not the judge and jury here. But in my mind, I'm thinking maybe he is a bad person. And maybe he didn't just do a bad thing. Maybe he did multiple bad things and it's a pattern behavior. I don't know. I don't know. I'm questioning everything. Then we see Katie, Lala, Charlie, and Shishi, and her sister, and Ariana looking amazing. She looked amazing. And this is when Shishi reveals about the restraining order. And Sheena says she's been like a mom and a sister to Rachel. And Shishi was really betrayed as well. And she even says she let Rachel stay at her house. She took her under her wing. One of the things that Sheena told me on Shenanigans, which was shocking to me, uh, Rachel was doing them beauty pageants like a year ago. And Sheena and I think Brock went with her, but they saw three days in a row Rachel's beauty pageant. 
without cameras, there were no cameras there. She, she just decided to go to support because I guess Rachel's family couldn't be there. So she went and supported. And she, she does always support the friends. I remember when we did the cocktail book, guess who was at the Barnes and Noble signing, waited in line and got the book signed at our fancy AF cocktail book signing. It was Shishi and Brock. They were there. They showed up. No cameras were there. They just showed up because they do support each other. And Shishi, she is, I think, a genuinely good hearted. She means well, and she is there for her friends. And it happens off camera. And so she was there for Rachel off camera three days, three days at one of them bullshit beauty pageants. Can you even imagine? I'm not saying all beauty pageants are bullshit. I'm just saying Rachel in a beauty pageant is bullshit. And although I was I was on this podcast microphone saying that I wanted to see Rachel's beauty pageant before all the scandal happened, and now I never want to see that footage. However, the fact that Shishi showed up for three days, I believe, in a row. I hope, I'm paraphrasing Shishi, but I believe she said it was three days in a row she saw beauty pageant activities because her family couldn't make it. That is a good friend. That is a very close friend because I don't know that I would do that for my closest friends. I'd maybe show up one time or one day, but I'm not sure three days in a row having to see some adult beauty pageant. No, ma'am. Not interested. Hard pass. Strike it. Strike it. I don't know why I keep saying strike it. I don't know what it even means, but we're going to strike it. Strike it. Uh, so she showed up when, and now she's being betrayed and being served with the restraining order in the court of law. It's just terrible. Isn't that terrible? It's terrible. It's terrible. The fact that she just went through this. And then uh, what uh, Ariana and Katie talk about Schwartz, and Katie says, well, look, I invited him. And then he shows up, and he's like, hey, guys. And I couldn't believe it. I thought, he was... I was unexpected. I knew the girls were getting together, but then when all of a sudden Shula Schwartz comes up, I was like, what is going on? And then uh, him and Ariana talk, and she says, look, no one here wants to talk to you, she says, Schwartz. And she says, if you even try to say that you're feeling bad for him or he's going through a rough time, she says, I'm going to get up and walk away. And I was so proud of her for standing her ground. And Schwartz is just like, well, he's pissed at, he's mad at Sandoval because of the business aspect. And then Ariana's like, well, he apologized about the business before even apologizing to me. He publicly put out a statement on Instagram saying, don't leave Yelp reviews or some shit like that for that that establishment, whatever that place is. And then in the strip mall, what did G.J. James Kennedy say in the corner strip mall? It is next to like a pet store. I haven't been there, but I did drive past it. I do know there's like a pet store there. And not that I want to shade pet stores because we love the pets, but I'm not sure that you need to be in a bar restaurant and be smelling dog shit from a couple doors down, right? A pet store smell, and God bless them, we love our pets. But you know when you go into a pet store, you walk into a pet smart or something, you're going to immediately smell fish and dried dog food. That's just what it is, because that's what they're selling. they got to feed the animals. And so what you're going to be in the shorts and sandies eating one of them bullshit lobster hot dogs, and then you're going to have to smell the dog food? Uh-uh. Not somewhere where you should put establishment for a bar and restaurant. Maybe just a bar, but uh, the restaurant, I'm sorry to say, but you, I don't know that you really want to be near a, I think it's a pet store. I hope I'm not mis, misrepresenting that there's a pet. I'm pretty sure it's a pet store. I mean, I drove past it once. <laughs> I literally only drove past it once. And I do recall that there was some sort of pet store nearby, but uh, I cannot confirm that. I cannot confirm that because I'm just, again, quickly drove by it. And I was going somewhere else nearby, and I go, oh, there's Schwartz and Sandy's, and was in the corner of a strip mall. And then I do think that I saw a pet store. And so, again, cannot confirm that, and I refuse to confirm that. I probably could look it up right now, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it because 
I'm, I'm not interested in doing it. I'm too lazy to go on my Google and do it. So instead, we're just going to have to take it as fact. Take it as fact, which is what we do here. Okay, so then uh, Ariana and Schwartz are sitting there talking, and she says, why would somebody want to give their money to that man? And I love that she Ariana called him that man. Oh, I love her. I love her. That man. That's how we're going to refer to him. Zinzval is that man. And he is that man. We don't even... Ugh. And then Schwartz apologizes and tells her, he's painted as a co-conspirator. And Ariana's just like, well, I'm not your friend anymore. And I love that. Oh, I loved it. I got the chills. Even just saying it now, I got the chills. I got the goosebumps. got the goose pimples. Hair's on my neck standing up. I mean, crazy. By the way, Matt and I are rewatching Stranger Things. I love that show. We're watching it from the beginning. And it's so good. And... We just because I was watching like episodes of that at the same time as watching the finale episode of Vanderpump Rules. And the truth of the matter is, the Toms are scarier than the Demogorgons. There, I said it. I said it. Put me on record. Put it on public record that I do believe that the Toms and Rachel are more nefarious than the Demogorgons on scary, uh, Stranger Things. It's true. It's a fact. I'm watching them back to back. And there's the upside down has nothing on the Sir Dump. Nothing. Nothing. The upside down wishes it was as scary as the Sir Dump or as Schwartz and Sandy's or as anywhere that that demon, uh, Tom Zinzaval, has been rubbing his uh, little uh, stinky cock. Tom Zinzaval. Little cocky cock. Like his stinky 40 year old cock. Like seriously, Raquel? Then, oh my God. Okay. So then uh, we do have the scene between Shishi and. And Zinzaval. Now, a, a lot of stuff I want to talk about with the scene. First of all, she, she says that Tom Zinzaval was the only one who's nice at the very first season upfronts, and they show a picture of it. That was the upfronts that I was talking about. They had the cast of Vanderpump Rules the very first season there, and uh, she she wasn't getting along with the rest of the cast, and they were trying to outcast her. And she says Tom Zinzaval was the only one that was nice to her, and that was interesting. But when Tom Zinzaval comes into the house, he brings in this package. And there's the funniest moment that, again, you can't even strip this stuff, but he's holding this package. And Brock, like, goes to open the door or whatever. He's like, what you got there? And Brock legitimately thought that Tom Zinzaval was bringing, like, an apology gift, which he should. He should be giving everybody gifts. He should be walking around with boxes from Tiffany's and hand-delivering them to the whole cast or sending them so they don't have to go look at his demon face and the white-painted grippers. But he should have shown up with gifts, and they should have been perfectly wrapped, too. He should have gotten them professionally wrapped, not sloppy, but he shows up with a box and then Brock is like, Oh, what'd you bring me? You know? <laughs> and then Sinsval just says, Oh, this was outside your door. You guys, I lost it. Cause of course Brock and Shishi were probably thinking you brought me a gift to apologize for your demon ways. And then instead they're just bringing in the box from outside the door. I wonder what that package was, what it was from, but I couldn't believe it. And then he apologized to Shishi. He said that, I guess when they were arguing on the phone, it was really kind of confusing the timeline of the Watch What Happens Live night because it was a little confusing to me. Like, I guess they called Shishi from the car and then Tom was on the phone with Rachel and Ariana was on the phone with Sheena and they were all kind of talking on the car ride home or something. That was a little confusing to me. But apparently... In that car ride phone call or around that time, he said that him and Sheena weren't friends. And then he apologized for that. He's like, we were. And he says, again, when I turned 40, I had a spiritual awakening. And that's just his way of trying to spin this. Because I, again, don't think he would have ever revealed that he's four. I know he would have never revealed his actual age on this show because I know that. And I feel like that was his spin. I feel like his 
press or management or somebody was like, okay, let's just say you were having, that's the most clean way of describing this. You had a midlife crisis, a spiritual awakening, you turn 40 and maybe, and I bet you, this was probably the conversation with publicist or somebody, crisis manager probably said, look, it's really at least relatable. What he did was inexcusable. So of course it's not going to be an easy way to spin this, but I'm sure the crisis person was like, if you just say you're 40, that's relatable to people because that happens, right? A lot of people go through things when they're aging and it's like a thing that maybe the audience would be able to latch onto and be like, that was relatable. But I don't think that came from Tom. And I'm sorry to be the one to blow the lid off it. But again, he would have never said, he said he was 40 upwards of three or four times this episode. And I thought my best years are behind me. I'm, I turn 40 and they, he's only saying that because he thinks it's going to be relatable to other people in the viewing audience and maybe garner a little bit of sympathy. But again, he would have never done that because I know that he would have never wanted to reveal his real age, even though he was just lying about it by off one year or something, one or two years previously. And so it's just, I'm sorry to blow the lid off that, but that that was a PR spin too. And of course he's grasping at straws looking for some way to spin this, but I'm not falling for that bag of bullshit. And so then he says to Shishi, I had a spiritual awakening. And Sheena says, I always thought that the Miami girl situation was true, but I defended you. And then Tom says that Ariana always knew the truth about Miami girl. And Tom says there was one other time. He says it was not a random person, which I'm assuming this is the where we're led to believe it was Billy Lee. Uh, Tom says there were 45, four to five years of trouble or something. Did I write that down wrong? I don't know. I was taking notes so Fast and Furious, which, by the way, isn't there a new Fast and Furious movie coming out? How did that happen? I just saw it showed up on my Instagram feed that Rita Moreno was uh, promoting the Fast and the Furious. I'm like, how the fuck did Rita Moreno get in this franchise? Like, what? <laughs> and I love the Fast and the Furious movies. I will be seeing that. I love that. And there's just so many stars that keep popping up in the Fast and the Furious movies. And quite frankly, we need Ariana to pop up. Let's get Shishi in the Fast and the Furious universe. Uh, but the idea that Rita Moreno is now in there and like my head's exploding and maybe she did have a cameo in one of the previous ones. I know Helen Mirren was in one of them. Uh, sometimes I usually when I see the Fast and the Furious movies, it like floats out of my mind immediately. But I was like watching something. It was like coming up. Rita Moreno talks about Fast and the Furious 10. And I'm like, what? What the fuck? My balance is all off. I'm like, I don't know if I'm hearing things these days because of all the Bravo news that's going on. But I'm like, Rita Moreno's promoting the Fast X. Like, what the fuck is going on? Anyway. Uh, what are we talking about here? So anyway, my brain is, I might've gotten facts wrong. It is what it is. Uh, she, she says though to Tom saying obviously we're not friends anymore. I need to go make my baby dinner and I don't know what else to say. I need to go make summer moon dinner. And then she gets up and walks away. It's a beautiful moment. She was in tears. I kept thinking of the Reba McIntyre song from her sitcom Reba, uh, a single mom who works two jobs, who loves her kids and never stops. That's all I could think about when I heard she, she, and I know she's not a single mother, but I think spiritually that song fits. With gentle hands and the heart of a fighter, I'm a survivor. Now, the one note that I had about the way that this ended, because it ended here, and then we got the scenes from next week where it said the reunion, which looks thrilling. I cannot wait. I mean, this is must-see TV. This is absolute must-see TV. But the one note that I had, and maybe this is nitpicky, and uh, just I think from a production aspect, it could have been interesting, and maybe it would have gone wrong, and I would be eating my words. But in that last scene between Shishi and Tom Zinzival, I kind of think they should have had Katie Maloney in that scene. Now, I know she had a beef going on with Shishi, and they weren't quite uh, mending fences yet. However, I think there could have been something poetic about having the three OGs on the cast because Katie, Zinzival, and Shishi, they're the only OGs left, right? The three of them. And so 
Am I, Schwartz wasn't technically an OG. Like he wasn't in the main cast. Remember, he was just kind of floating in and out. And then remember, he got hired at the bar for Pump, which Pump is closing up, by the way. But he got hired at Pump and then couldn't make a martini or some shit like that. And he had a panic attack and had to leave. So he was just sort of floating in and out those early seasons. He wasn't a main cast member season one. But Shishi, Katie, and Sinsval were. And I kind of think there could have been something poetic because this is almost like a, I don't know, a full circle, weird, beautiful, constructed episode from a production aspect. And I think there could have been something nice about having the three OGs who are still around sit down. But it might have fucked it up because I think Shishi had this really triumphant moment where she was in tears and she was saying goodbye to him as a friend. She says, I'll miss you as a friend, but we're not friends anymore. And I don't know, there could have been something about interesting about the OGs sitting down. And I think they have earned it. I think it would have been nice to see Katie there. But obviously, that could have fucked it all up. But that's the end of the episode. And next week, we're getting the reunion. Oh, we're getting the reunion. And uh, I think we're just going to be shouting at the screen at, at Zinzaval. And we're going to see Rachel and, and Schwartz. Rotten Hill. Rotten Hill. And I do believe now Jax is saying that he's going to come back with Britney next season or they're, they're spreading that rumor. So I don't know if that's true, but I think it'll be on my guesstimate is that they're going to show up just as in and out or a couple scenes here and there and maybe test the waters. I don't think Bravo is going to hire them back full time. That's my take on it. And it could be wrong, but I think that's what will happen. It'll be like a friend of situation or maybe showing up and doing a few scenes or I think they were also testing the waters with Kristen to see how the audience reaction was to Kristen popping up in a scene this week. And, and there's something to be said about embracing our history, but I don't know if we need, I don't know if we need Jackson. I, I always say, I like when they just sort of pop in and out. Like, I don't know if we need full time Jacks back on the show. That's not something I really am interested in. But that said, I would like Brittany to pop back in so that she gives us a soundbite to use for everything iconic soundboard. Rotten Hill. Rotten Hill. I am on the brim of freaking ant. Like, I would like Brittany to just give me a soundbite so that I can obsess over it for 100 episodes of everything iconic. <laughs> just give me that Kentucky accent and, and just pop in and say something crazy like, I'm engaged. So I can just repeat it a million times because I love when that Kentucky muffin pops in with the soundbite. And she's given us so many rotten hills. Let's, I would love to see her just come in and just, that's all I need from her, honestly. Honestly, Bravo, if you're listening to production, maybe just have her pop in a scene with Zinsval and just be like, rotten hill, and then get out. I don't even need her to say not one other thing. I don't need any context. I don't need her to have a sit down. I don't need them at a party. I literally just want Zinsval at his house or apart, wherever he's living, just want Brittany to knock on the door, I want Zinsval to open it, and I want her to say, rotten hill. And then I just want her to leave. And then I want her to go over Schwartz's house, do the exact same thing, go to his apartment, knock on the door. Joe answers. I don't care if Joe answers or Schwartz answers. Whoever answers that fucking door, just want her to say, rotten hill. Rotten hill. And then walk away. That's it. That's it. And that would be more than enough. That would be a thrilling, triumphant moment. Honestly, it would give us full circle. And we don't even need Jax at this point. It's fine. We we know. We could figure it we, out. We'll see him on social media or wherever. And just have Britney have that really, I think it'd be beautiful. I think give us a rotten hell because we haven't had one in a while. And I do miss the rotten hills. Rotten hell. Rotten hell. Uh, okay, we are going to take one more break. And then we're going to come back and we're going to talk a little briefly about house size. This is already a long episode. My throat is closing because I've been talking so much, mile a minute. 
Uh, but we do have a few thoughts about uh, the Real House of New Jersey finale in particular. Uh, but before we go to this last break, I do have an extended break for you, an interview with my nephew Brady, another one. If you listen to the podcast, I did an interview with my nephew Brady over KFC's new nuggets. So this segment is sponsored by KFC and we love them. And I got to chat with my little nephew Brady. He's the cutest. And so it's been fun getting to talk to him and my niece Sophia. And then I, we have one coming up with my cousin uh, over some KFC nuggets. So please enjoy this extended break and then we'll be back back uh, talking about those housewives. So we'll be right back. This very special segment is presented by KFC and Acast Creative. KFC just launched chicken nuggets and these nuggets are absolutely changing the game. So delicious. I really love these nuggets. A great crisp on the outside, the best tasting breading. Ah, they're so good. Each one is hand-breaded and packed with KFC's famous original recipe. So basically what I'm saying is KFC took all the magic that is a bucket of chicken and packed it into their equally amazing chicken nuggets. So to celebrate, I got my nephew Brady back to talk to me over some chicken nuggets from KFC. He caught me up on his summer, what his birthday party with his sister Sophia was like. Last time I chatted with Brady, he told me a little bit about his upcoming sixth birthday party. And so I had to get a little more intel because he told me about this man named Jungle Terry who was going to be coming to his birthday party. And a lot of you asked, who is Jungle Terry? So apparently Jungle Terry is someone who arrives with animals. He brings snakes and all sorts of stuff to the birthday party. So Brady told me a little bit more about that. So please enjoy my chat with my nephew Brady over some KFC nuggets. Uncle Danny. I'm here with Brady Pellegrino, my nephew. Brady, how are you today? Good. Brady, I'm catching you right before you go to football, right? Yeah. Yeah, and can you tell everyone what position what? you play? Um, Daddy, what position? You're running back. Running back. You're a running back? Oh, that's good. And Brady, can you tell me about how Sophia's birthday was? Good. Yeah, what'd you do? Rock climb. Are you good at rock climbing? Yeah. Is that mommy over there? I don't that's any. Gigi. Oh, hey, Gigi. I'm taking them to football. Yeah, mom, that, we got a little Linda Pellegrino appearance. Mom, can you uh, tell me what you're doing over there? Yes, I turned to take Brady to a football practice. Yeah, and Brady's a good football player, right? He's a great football player. Brady, do you like when people come and watch you play? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Last time, Brady, we talked, you told me Jungle Terry was going to come to your birthday party. Yeah, he is. And can you tell everyone who Jungle Terry is? Like, what does he do? He catches animals for himself to keep. He catches animals for himself to keep? Yeah. And Brady, what's your favorite animal of all time? Snake. Snake? Yeah. Why do you like snakes? Because they're cool? Yeah. And Brady, what else have you been up to this summer? Have you been doing anything fun? We've been swimming in the pool a lot. And are you excited for school to start back up again or no? Um, not really. What's mommy and daddy doing right now? Okay, mommy took self to gymnastics camp, but um, daddy... Um, is he your coach? Yeah. Is he a good coach when he does coach? Yeah. Yeah. What do you like about him coaching? He always picks the fastest ones last. Well, Brady, I can't wait to see you. I'm going to see you soon, okay? Because I miss you so much. Okay. I love you so much and have fun at football, okay? Okay. Bye-bye. Love you, Uncle Danny. Love you too, buddy. Okay, see you later. 
Thank you for listening to this segment brought to you in partnership with KFC and Acast Creative. If you're looking to bring a little flavor to bonding time with the kitties in your life, run, don't walk to the nearest KFC and try the new Kentucky Fried Chicken Nuggets with 100% white meat perfectly hand-breaded in KFC's original recipe. Seriously, you've never had nuggets like these. Prices and participation may vary. love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily, I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now, Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now, Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now, Cozy offers a beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving, credenzas, TV stands, and accessories. So much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y, dot com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. And we're back. I had so much rage in me. I do want to apologize for that Vanderpump Rules recap real quickly before we get into Jersey, because I feel like I might have sound a little unhinged, or perhaps a lot unhinged, but there's uh, so much emotion going on on Vanderpump Rules. And the truth is, while I was watching the episode, I had such crazy reactions to everything that was happening on screen because it was so intense. Like There was a moment where Katie Maloney was wearing uh, pajamas, silk pajamas with some sort of dog or something on them, and I was shouting at the screen like, wear those pajamas, girl! Wear them, PJs. Like, I don't know what happened to me, what came over me, but it was like reacting big to everything, even her pajamas, because I was just, I'm filled with so much rage. I had so much rage in me. Anyway, so it's a lot of intensity, but I want to apologize that I sound so fucking nuts on this 
microphone podcast because I <laughs> I am I am fucking nuts, but especially right now. Okay, so the Jersey stuff, we're going to keep this short because Danny's tired and don't yell at me. I know you're, some people can yell at me because people get mad. I'm not covering that much housewives, but how can I? This is a once in a lifetime moment and I can't record for two hours by myself because I'll go nuts. I'm already going nuts, like I just said. But uh, the thing that I want to talk about was that the Jersey finale was great. And ordinarily, we'd be spending two hours in that Jersey finale. So I know this is kept short, but it is a phenomenal finale. Finally, I felt like everyone engaged. I felt like Melissa engaged. The fact that she'd been holding on to that information about knowing about this uh, cheating scandal stuff that she knew about it the whole time, and she played it cool until it was brought to her, I thought was, I don't know, I was actually more on Melissa's side this week. I felt like I was on Team Melissa. Um, whereas the rest of the season, there's just too many red flags, I think, with Louie. And what's upsetting is, obviously... The cast, there was a moment where Dolores and Jennifer Aiden were sitting down with Teresa and Louie, and Louie was saying he was in touch with this Bo Deedle. I hope I'm saying that name right. And I didn't know who this Bo Deedle was, or Bo, what's his, Bo, Bo Jodl, or, no, it was Deedle. Bo Jackson is somebody else, I know that, but Bo, was it Doddle? Deedle? Anyway, I had to look up this Bo Doddle, and I looked him up, because I had no idea who this was, and apparently he's been in the public um, for a while now. <laughs> like when I looked him up, it seemed like I had one of those moments like, Oh, does everybody know who this person is, but me, because I had no idea. Anyway, the point is I looked him up and he does, it seems very sketch, but the fact that Louis was sitting down across from Jennifer Aiden and Dolores and saying, I had this guy who's my friend, who's a private investigator. And he got information on all of you. The fact that Jennifer and Dolores, this is what was so frustrating to me. They didn't even react. And even in the confession, they were like, oh, I thought it was weird. But Jennifer not saying anything, and Jennifer, I believe, was the one, or who was... The other women seemed to have such a problem with Margaret and saying that Margaret's got an arsenal, and that was been a storyline this season. And they've been holding it against Margaret, saying she's got this arsenal on everyone. And then here are two of the cast members, or three, including Teresa, sitting down with Louis, who's saying, I hired a private eye, and I got information on all these people. And they're not confronting them about it. And it's like, obviously, they're scared of, it seemed to me like Dolores and Jennifer are scared to say anything to Teresa and Melissa, or Teresa and Louie. And I thought that was weird to me because they, everyone has had such a problem. Was it, who was it that brought up the problem between Margaret? I forget. I mean, everything goes in my head and then it falls out. But I felt like it was a thing about Margaret's got an arsenal. And then the other weird thing about the Margaret situation, and not to bring it around to her again, but... Uh, Teresa and Louis were saying that they didn't want uh, this information to come out, so they approached Joe Gorga about this Melissa cheating rumor so that they could get ahead of it. But then last season, or maybe it was the season before, uh, Teresa had such a problem with Margaret bringing up that information about the Louis video, and um, remember that video that came out, and Margaret was saying, I was just trying to give you this information so you could get ahead of it. So it seemed like it was the same kind of situation, but then no one confronts Teresa and Louie about it, even though it is the same. So that's like frustrating to watch. And then Louie, yeah, the fact that he has information on everybody, it's like, what the fuck is that about? And I don't know, just the Louie stuff is just makes me uncomfortable. And he gets so angry. And some of the verbiage that he uses, it's like strange to me. And again, I didn't know who Bodita was. He said it once and they captioned it. And I was like, who is that? And then it came up again. And Bo Doddle or whatever. I was like, what is going on? He's got a private investigator? A PI? Ugh. There was also a moment where they called Mickey Mouse a rat. And 
<laughs> you know how I feel about the rats. You know, I'm so scared of rats. I do have this fantasy that I want to do a meditative children's book because I'm scared of rats. And I think I told you this on the show. I, I mentioned it a bunch of times, but I'm terrified of rats. And so I was talking to a professional mental health person and they were saying, you have to reframe your fears and start thinking of the things that you're scared of in like a different light. And because I'm scared of rats, I was like, I really want to do a children's book that's like cozy rats. <laughs> This sounds crazy. I want to do like cozy rats and maybe they're like anxiety ridden at rats. So it's like me, like I'm anxiety ridden all the time anyway, but I think it would help normalize and, and normalize rats or for people who are scared of rats, it could help them with their fear like myself, because I'm so scared of them. And I think if we just started teaching kids, not that we want to celebrate rats because we do not care for rats, but Mickey Mouse is, they're calling Mickey Mouse a rat on The Real House of New Jersey this week. And so I think there is something to be said about reframing rats. And so I hate to get on this podcast and and say that we need to reframe rats. <laughs> I sound crazy. But I do have this fantasy about doing a children's book, which is like, I don't know, an anxiety-ridden rat. And maybe I always talk about... Uh, a pelican. I always want like to play a pelican in an animated show. Maybe the rat has like a, a pelican animated friend. I'm not sure. I'm still spitballing this, but I really was thinking about it again. It keeps coming up because they keep saying on Jersey, calling people rats. And they said, Mickey Mouse is a rat. And I was like, how dare you? But then maybe we just need to reframe rats. So I don't know. I've got to think about it. I'm not sure. Would any of the moms out there buy a, a, a book about a cozy rat? <laughs> we gotta, gotta see, gotta see if there's a market for it. I think there could be. If there's kids, kids like that stuff. I, I just interviewed my little nephew Brady, and he like loves snakes and stuff. He thinks snakes are like cozy. So maybe if we just did, I don't know. And I always think of that. I'm getting us so off topic, and we're barely even talking about Jersey, and now I'm going off about cozy rats. But I also always think about bears. And you know how there's that one bear on the tea box? Do you know that? Do you know who I'm talking about? That one really cozy bear who's just like taking a nap, and he's got like a sleeping cap on. And he's in his chair and he's just taking a nap and he's on the box of tea, the brand of tea. I always think like he's so cozy. And so maybe we just need to do like a version of that, like a, with rats. Okay. Anyway, um, it did seem like everyone engaged. Danielle finally engaged this week. Melissa finally engaged. Uh, maybe too little too late for me. I loved this episode. I thought it was phenomenal TV, but it just, uh, and it devolved into chaos. And it seems like next week is going to be chaos with the wedding special. I cannot wait to see the wedding special. I loved in the preview for next week when Dolores and Jennifer are looking at Teresa's hair and they're, again, not wanting to confront her about it. That's the thing. It's like they're just seeming to be afraid to confront. And that's never good on Housewives in any situation when people are afraid of each other. Now, again, I say in real life, if I was in these circles... I would probably be afraid to confront any of them too, but that's why I'm not on reality TV. But if you are on reality TV, you can't be afraid to confront each other because that's how the storylines move forward. So I just, um, yeah, I'm excited for the wedding special, but I thought this one was good. I thought Joe Gorga actually kept his cool considering what was going on. And I thought Melissa kept her cool with this whole cheating scandal. Apparently they had approached Joe Gorga and called him separately from Melissa, which I thought was a little strange, but I don't know that the family comes back from this. And I really fully expected for the end of the season for me to feel like Melissa and Joe should have gone to the wedding. But by the end of this episode, I was, I, I hate to say, but I was kind of like, well, they shouldn't go to the wedding. No one wants them there. They don't want to be there. They don't feel welcome. And I don't think Teresa wants them there either. So it's like, it kind of made sense to me that they didn't go to the wedding, but it does upset me as an Italian. I feel bad that this family has been completely torn apart from this TV show. And uh, somebody at some point should have gotten off the TV show. And the truth is, 
I'm kind of worried now that next season they will both be back. And I don't think that's good for the family or the daughters, but they're going to do it now. I'm kind of feeling like maybe they both will be back. And uh, I don't know that that's good. Somebody's going to have to be the one to step back because this is tearing the family apart. And Teresa even mentioned this episode. She's mentioned Rosie and Kathy and how she cut them out of her life. And now this is happening with Joe and Melissa and it's not good. And I just, Louis just, I'm worried about that man. I'm worried about that man. And I'm worried about Teresa and specifically in regards to that man. Anyway, Jersey, I, those are my brief thoughts on the Jersey finale. And maybe next week we'll be able to talk about it more after the wedding special. Although I don't know, cause we're leaning into the Vanderpump of it all because too much is going on in that franchise. Uh, Atlanta was, uh, also aired this week. It was a little bit of a snooze. I, I don't know if it was a snoozy episode, but it was just seemingly snoozy compared to what we're dealing with over here on, on, uh, Jersey and Vanderpump rules. So, I gotta wrap this up, you guys. I'm tired. My voice, I can't even talk anymore. I feel like I'm losing my voice because too much is going on. So I'm gonna just wrap it up here. I apologize. But I do have an interview coming out with Pamela Anderson, the icon Pamela Anderson. The icon Pamela Anderson. I got a whole episode with her coming within the next week or so. So I did a live Q&A regarding her new documentary on Netflix. It premiered back at the end of January. If you haven't watched it yet, go watch it. It's a phenomenal documentary on Netflix called um, Pamela, A Love Story. I think that's the name of it. So I interviewed her, her son, Brandon, who was also on The Hills, and he produced this documentary, as well as the director, Ryan White. So I'm going to have that chat between the four of us coming very soon. Uh, so check out the podcast feed. I think it'll be out next week. So I'm just um, waiting for that uh, because I did it. It was a live event. So I'm waiting for the audio files and all of that kind of stuff. But uh, a really great chat. Chat. In the meantime, you can go watch that documentary because it's fantastic. And Pamela was so sweet. And I was really honored to get to lead this discussion regarding the movie because it's fascinating. She told some interesting stories as well. So uh, it was um, fun. And so check the podcast feed. And uh, yeah, all of that said, you can get bonus episodes of Everything Iconic on the Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash everything iconic. And if you donate $4 more per month, you get access. I do one bonus episode a month where I recap Sex in the City, and we have a good time over there. And you can pre-order my books now, um, the paperback of my previous book out June 1st, and then the upcoming book, The Jolliest Bunch, out October 24th. Thank you. Love you. And we'll be back next week. Bye-bye. Yeah.